Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk episode 640, to recording today live, oh a bit loud, uh, at uh, Wednesday the, what is it, it's the it's the 21st of October 2020, uh, 21st of October, this is the podcast to do with uh, things to do with music technology and all the things that surround kind of the production and performance of music. Uh, studios, software, synthesizers, drum machines, all that kind of business. And uh, we want to say thank you very much to all of you folks. In fact, we've got a fulsome uh, number of people. We've got uh, our friends over on the YouTube chat room. Nice to see you there. Uh, if you fancy uh, contributing to our Christmas drinks fund, you can always use a super sticker or uh, I think they, what do they call it? Super comments. And that will definitely go towards the pints we will have at the Christmas show. But, you know, no, no no, pressure, but if you want to buy us a drink, you can do that there. Uh, we've also got uh, friends over at the IRC. Uh, nice to see you there. The details on that is uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live. And we've also got, um, well, I've got everything here. This is Discord. Uh, you can see us on Discord. If I put the Discord overlay, that's the Discord address. And uh, uh, and Restream as well, which is where the Restream pre-show is. Anyway, that's all my stuff for the uh, the week done. Uh, I will say hello. Well, look, let's let's start with uh, Mr. Mark Tinley. We haven't seen Mark Tinley for such a long time. Mark Tinley, one of the earliest guests on the show. Mark Tinley is, in fact, uh, in Glastonbury, where he runs uh, kind of sound and music and gadgets and creative emporium, sonusmagus.com. Yes. How are you, Mark? Indeed. I'm all right, actually. Thank you. Yes, I noticed that you didn't have enough people today earlier on, and I thought... It's raining, and all of the uh, all of the hippies in Glastonbury will have muddy feet. So I thought they're not coming in today. So I've made a special sign for my door, which I've um, which they're all ignoring actually, which says that they have to bring tea and biscuits and go home and get their own slippers. So every time someone knocks on the door, sticking my head out and going, "What kind of biscuits have you got?" And they're like, <laughs> "Hey, sorry." I'm like, "Have you read the sign?" No, read it then. And then coming back in, I think my shop's turned into a. Uh, some kind of like art installation project. I don't really sell things anymore. You just, <laughs> it's just you become just, really, just, really, really good, really good fun it. and really bizarre. Yeah, I'm just you've in got, it. With uh, I do I still see. sell guitars. So. If it's even possible to become a, the eccentric bloke in Glastonbury, that that maybe that's kind of what your your new role <laughs> is. <laughs> How could you be more? I don't eccentric know. I've got competition. I've got a competition because in the St John's car park. I walk through there every day, and there's this massive sign on this building, and it says the River Brew Conservation Society. And I keep walking past it and thinking, well, that's odd, because we're not really that close to the River Brew. And then someone said to me the other day, you know, this is like a whole art installation project. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And apparently this guy set up this whole kind of waterways conservation thing as a complete kind of test for people just to i probably shouldn't tell people this actually but it's not real it doesn't actually exist there's no such thing as the river brew conservation society he's doing it to see what kind of response he gets from people in terms of like um impact on the waterways and stuff and and to like just question people's um thoughts about what it means to lose our waterways and to ah. lose all our fresh water and stuff so it, it's well, not a- it's not actually a thing but it, it's it kind of is like really in your face and really i don't know Looks really official. making people think so, oh well, yeah. that's good so, well, Mark, it's uh, lovely to have you, and I'm a big fan of uh, water conservation, being a keen fisherman that I am. But uh, we must move on and introduce some other guests as well. Uh, we'll start uh, with uh, Mr. Yoad Nevo, who's there in Nevo Sound. Uh, Yoad, of course, as you can see, is a proprietor of his own studio where he produces and mixes and songwrites and does all sorts of stuff, as well as developing stuff for Waves. How are you, Yoad? You good? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good to be here, as it's- always. And of course, uh, we published your uh, another one in the series of How It Works yesterday, which, as we know, is uh, seems to be very popular. How It Works FM. Uh, if you want to take a look at that, uh, I thoroughly recommend. And uh, you've got some stuff going on at NevoSound.com. Mates rates, I believe. For, for Sonic uh, State uh, viewers or Sonic Talk viewers, yeah. Excellent. So if, they, if you need any uh, mix or production services, then uh, there may well be some discount. If you head over to sonicstate.com forward slash, no, uh, yoadnevo.com forward slash sonicstate. I knew I'd get that right eventually. Um, you'll be able to find out. Uh, lovely to have you, Yoad. Uh, busy? I noticed you haven't moved yeah, stuff around busy. too much. You've, you've got, nothing's busy. changed. Uh, 
now mixing a lot, uh, producing uh, remotely uh, and with some people occasionally, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're working on at Waves. Um, so that's, uh, that takes some of my time too. And it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting and I like the diversity uh, of what I do. And yeah, everything is... Uh, Excellent. You know, well, good. good. I mean, it's good to be busy, as we know in this time. I mean, we'll probably get onto that a little bit later because there's, you know, there's 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 topics as we head towards the winter and whatnot. And we've also got Mr. Matt Hodson, aka Maths or Maths, 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 who is a uh, Hello. educator, uh, live streamer, uh, producer, uh, songwriter, artist. We're doing a lot of live streams. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get one with you sort of quite soon. I think. How are yeah, you? Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, should be able to squeeze that one in. Um, yeah, everything's all right here. Thanks for having us back on the show. Um, I've just been just been actually trying to squeeze more and more stuff out of a smaller modular system at the minute. Um, and you can tell because I've got loads of cables that I've just pulled out that I usually plugged in because I've just realized different ways of combining sound sources together to get loads out of one oscillator i've just gone for one oscillator in this system now uh, which means tuning things is really really easy now because it's always in tune with itself ah okay yeah well that's always that actually that's one that's a very valid point because quite often what i've done is when i've been reviewing a synth or doing something uh i'll i'll wrote i'll throw down like an idea or a riff and then i think i'll just overdub onto that and i've got no idea what the tuning of the oscillator was or anything <laughs> and then it then it just it kills you know because you're getting into kind of it's almost it when you've got to tune stuff to and if, if the sound source is not particularly pitched it's like I, I don't know if i can find it you know you don't know if it's just a bit off or it's like maybe 13 semitones or, you know what i mean it's it, it's so yeah tuning yeah. is a very important thing especially when you're playing live and you're turning up and you've got five minutes to sound check and suddenly you're tuning six or seven oscillators. Nah, not doing that. In fact, I might do, I might do a little video actually about how this live rig is put together and my choice of modules and the signal path and all that kind of stuff, actually. I think that'll probably be a future video. Yeah, good plan, good plan. Uh, actually, yeah, that reminds me, I was watching the video, the, the studio tour that we did with you and you've got a tuner permanently on in your rack. Yeah, like I just said, look that's my most, uh, my most precious uh, and useful uh, thing out of everything mm -hmm. because I always look at it and make sure that everything is in tune because, like you said, otherwise it's a real nightmare. Yeah. And you have to change sometimes sample rates and resample and things like that to, to make stuff match to an, uh, an original recording or something. Yeah, I try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, always better to get it right at source than spend hours and hours fiddling about, as we say. Although if you did, you could possibly be using uh, the, <laughs> let's see what I did there, Isotope products, uh, <laughs> uh, which are actually, we've got a special landing page for Sonic uh, for Sonic Talk listeners. If you go to isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, and then if you want to shop for any of the stuff that they do, they do a wide range of things, you get 10% off if you put in the code SONIC10 at checkout. And that's not, I don't think it's just on these products it's on you know a bunch of their stuff so if you do need to uh, have that fiddling about afterwards because it's very very useful for uh, all sorts of things there's a lot of the stuff that they do uh, if you head over like i say to uh, sonicstate.com forward slash sonic talk and there's a special landing page there with details on how to get 10 percent right okay um so let's let's get going. I mean, the big news this week is uh, we've all been waiting for this. So I'll just plug. I'll play this, or maybe maybe we haven't. I know I have. So this is uh, a, this is from Future Music Spain uh, video, which is I think a compilation of stuff that's available everywhere. This is the news that the Behringer Twenty Six Hundred is now uh, on the way to the shops and has been. The price has been fixed. Uh, Nine inch rack, obviously. A reimagining by Behringer. Uh, there are going to be differences, but essentially, I think it's got the Moog uh, style filter plus the Odyssey style filter, and uh, the price is. I think it's uh, John Keeble who is uh, the designer um, working on it. It's going to be five nine nine US dollars. I mean, that is that's crazy. That seems absolutely crazy. And I saw that and I thought, crikey, that is, you know, that's pretty. 
bold and i i can't imagine that they're making any i'm just thinking that the led on top of all these those faders has got to account for i don't know 50 bucks I don't, maybe i'm exaggerating a bit i don't know so who's who's most excited hands up in the air who's most excited about a a, a 2000 a 2600 foot right so you were first so matt um, what do you it. think about this? this is that's astonishing isn't it that is an amazing Bring price it. point yeah it is i mean there's no way that i could afford an original art no way so this is allowing me to essentially get my hands on one. It's the same um, in the classroom. You know, we we couldn't afford to go and buy a load of secondhand SH-101s. And now we've we've got a load of the MS-101s in there, um, which is given access to a real younger generation to get their hands on some of these classic synths, if you like. Okay, they're not, they're not originals, but they are really, really close. This ARP 2600, as we know, Korg did one. Yeah. Um, that was much more expensive and it was a limited run as well. Um, I was tempted to get one of those, but they, they just went anyway. So yeah, they'd gone before they, I did, they'd arrived, yeah. Yeah, I played on uh, played on it on at NAMM and I've played on an original 2600, which is down the road at, at my friend Steve's studio. And I just think they, they're wonderfully imaginative synth to play around with um so i'm really excited about this price point and i i'll definitely be getting one because i never ever thought i would ever own one of these um i think they sound pretty good and the fact that they've got um that guy involved i'm sorry his name's just flipped my mind you just showed him a second ago yeah john keeble i think he's called yeah the fact that he's involved in all of this gives me um you know it gives me peace of mind that what i'm getting here is he's going to be is going to be pretty close. Yeah, I to think it, I so. think the, the, probably the fair way to look at it is it's going to probably sound you know pretty close, but maybe you know construction wise it will be different because obviously you can't you can't put the same quality fader components and stuff in there as you would in you know the foreground Korg or whatever. So you know I think those faders are uh, probably going to be plastic stems, and and if you're fine with that, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, that's the compromise that's sort of going on there, and that and that's totally fine. I don't know, Mark, have you got fond memories of 2600s? I mean, it's the sort of thing that you wouldn't. I mean, even even back in the day when I was in the studio, I didn't see them very often. I never figured out how they worked. I did use one, and I just thought it was a bit crap, personally. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just, I mean, Matt's saying, oh, yeah, the, the MS-101 or whatever is close to the original SH-101. What I like about the MS-101 is they've added a few features. So it's an SH-101, which has got like a few, like that F, it's an FM kind of thing on it and a couple of other bits and pieces. So it's like, well, let's take it somewhere else. So just I can't I just don't understand all of this recycling of things, but maybe I'm just not very good at seeing a bigger picture because in in ter- I'm learning to uh, if I'm in terms of like the overall kind of evolution of music, it's taken hundreds and hundreds of years for things to change. So I'm expecting synthesis to evolve very very fast, and for me to be getting things that are making new sounds that I've not heard before in too short a time frame, maybe. But it seems. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't. I don't understand the retro synth thing. I want to explore sound making. I like modular synthesis. I like the idea of that being able to plug stuff together. Um, and I do get that the analog stuff does sound better than some of the digital stuff, definitely than some of the plugins. But I, I still, I don't know. I want it to be simple, functional, and I want it to be multifunctional. So when somebody hands me a synth with a fixed architecture, it's kind of like, what can I do with that? Oh, yeah, I can do all that. Right, I can do that. Right, okay, great. That's a nice sound. I might sample that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a valid point. But, um, I mean, we've talked about this before, haven't we? This kind of it's even, unbelievably I, cheap, though. You are that is, like, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably going to be five nine nine UK, maybe a bit more because we've got the VAT and the, you know, the, there's all sorts of things with taxes and and componentry across borders at the moment, which is getting quite complicated. So we won't know finally, but we would assume it's going to be around about the same uh, pounds for dollars. And I think that's. I mean, you know, I think. The most fun standalone thing that I've bought in the last few years has been that little blue and white modal electronics thing, which is, a, is it modal oh, the electronics? Craft. A little yeah. Mono- yeah, brilliant. I really like that, but it's, it's sort of like an analog synth in many ways, but it's also like an FM synth in many ways, but it's also like a wavetable synth in many ways. It's kind of is all those things, but it, 
there's something about the hands-on of that and the way the, the yeah. architecture and the knobs are designed that just makes it fun. Um, and and it has a, a feeling of I'm creating new sounds that I couldn't have done on an SH-101 or I probably could have done on a DX-7, but it just would have taken me three weeks to make a sound that just took me five <laughs> minutes or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, um, I, you should try the Sculpt want, as well. The Sculpt is because it's four voices and that's got a really nice sound. I didn't sound. like it. Did you not? I oh, didn't like it. No. I like that one that you had when last time I came to Sonic State, you had something that looked like it had got the Taj Mahal etched into the front of it. What was that thing? It had like all very uh, kind of Egyptian iconic kind of sliders. Probably maybe that would have been a Dreadbox thing. I don't know. It's hard to remember because that's some time ago now. So we actually met in person. Yeah. No, it was an Arturia thing. It was an Arturia thing. Oh, it was the Micro Freak maybe. I no, know. I don't know. Anyway, um, I don't know, Yoad, I know you're a big fan. I mean, you you just recently got the DeepMind 12, so you don't need telling that, you know. Uh, there's an interesting curve, though, isn't there? There's the sort of... Uh, um, it depends on what you're looking for in a synthesizer. I mean, you. I don't know if you've got an ARC 2600, but would would you consider getting one of these to just because it's not that much? Yeah, I haven't, it I haven't got one, and I'm I'm definitely gonna gonna get this new one uh, for for two reasons. One is that it's uh, in a 19-inch format rack format, and I just need to figure out what I need to throw out of my my racks to to accommodate it because it's quite it's like seven or eight U or something like that. Right. Uh, by the looks of it, um, the I I like the fact that it's that it's a modern take. Uh, on a classic synth and I'm kind of into that lately and I'm enjoying my my new synths um, as opposed to my aging and kind of ever so getting it wrong like my Juno is playing up I need to change to replace two voices my CS70 I need to to you know they need, yeah, they need yeah. work done to them and and when you buy a new thing which sounds presumably the same then it's a no-brainer. It has MIDI. It has probably USB. You can st store presets. Or you can I don't use, think you uh, could. Yeah, you, I don't think you're gonna be storing presets not on this. Even, no. Not even with a. Does it not have a like Sysex or any editor or anything? I like don't. That? I oh, no. I I mean, like most of the Behringer uh, analog uh, clones, they're not actually digitally okay. controlled, so still, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, but still, it's 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 likely not to break for for 10 yeah. years or something like that you know and uh, and the form factor is is perfect for my setup even my my modular my little modular system which i'm not using very often it's still it's only 19 inch uh, format so so i can expand it that was the thought when i when i started uh, doing it but but i but i didn't like matt uh, unlike matt i didn't um really get into it um it's nice to have but uh but i'm not using it very much so so i think that for me the fact that it's um because i'm i'm running out of space of of desktop you know uh, desktop units and and keyboards and stuff like that so for me it's perfect yeah uh, so yeah uh, I'm, I'm i think i think what's going to be interesting about this is uh well uh, what the because the thing about the original 2600 as well there it had the spring reverb which a stereo spring reverb which was also quite unusual at the and a speaker i mean obviously this doesn't have that i mean that would be asking a bit much i don't know if it's got any sort of digital effects i believe it does have like a basic digital effects and that might be interesting because if they expand the algorithms on that or have then you know that will make it more useful maybe in some ways as well maybe that would be midi controllable as far as i mean i think the reliability is going to be something that's going to be uh, I mean, it's not because it's Behringer. It's just because it's a, a, a very affordable piece of equipment with a lot mm. of faders on it. You know, there's a lot yeah. of faders on there. It's not just kind of yeah. one or two. It's tons of them, and that yeah. that's going to be you know that that kind of uh, long longevity is is tough at any price point around there. I mean, I'm not saying that they're specifically low quality. I'm just saying that you know there's going to be compromises made at somewhere around the line. But I'm sure if you take care of it and don't kind of get too jiggy with the faders, then they should be all right. It's just you've got to going to have to take yeah. care of it. I Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what modern music electronic music producers are going to do with this who you know haven't had access to this synth for many many years so suddenly you've got a you've got an instrument here that was that was what when did it come out Nick 70 
late 70s, early 70s? Yeah, 74, 75, yeah. I think. So, so you you had this synth that came out like 30 odd years ago and um, it, it hasn't been in many people's hands and it hasn't really been in um, modern electronic music, let's say, predominantly um, because it's not been affordable and people haven't been able to get it. So we've had this period of time where the ARP really hasn't sat within contemporary music production and now suddenly we're all going to be able to, well, most That's of us are going to be yeah. able to afford this and get this and inject it back into music. So I'm interested to see what, what people are going to do with it and how they respond to it when they start applying modern day thought processes and um, um, cultural um, approaches to music production using a, essentially an old an old system architecture. But I think those of us who have played on the art know just how versatile it is and you can take it from a fat bass distorted raw sound to r2d2 bleeps um in a second yeah. so I'd, I'd say it's quite versatile it's going to be interesting isn't it i wonder how much because i'd imagine with a lot of the older stuff is there's there, there's buffered inputs and they might have improved or that might not be in fact so you can actually plug things into other things that weren't necessarily supposed to so audio into voltages and voltages into audio inputs and outputs that would be interesting because that's something you can you could probably safeguard against in a new more modern design so yeah it'd be interesting and, and and as with a lot of these classic synths there's so much in there to be found and that's the thing we're like with the mini mode um, uh, I think did the, the the poly D. There's all these little sweet spots, and when you have these sort of certain limitations, you you've got to find them. You know, it's not all about preset number one. This is the, everything it does. You've got to spend the time to do it. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating. I don't know when it's going to be coming into the shops, and I'm pretty sure they won't send us a review unit. So if I can get older one, I will try and review it and probably sell it on. And um, that would be my plan. But I would love to have a look at it. Um, not that I'm massively familiar with the 2600 anyway. But yeah, there it is. It's it's on the way. It's going to be 599 US, which, as we say, is a pretty astonishing price. And they, they just on just on the back of this, Nick, I think they announced that um, they finished the Monopoly as well, yes. haven't they, Beringer? November. And I think it's coming in November. November, yeah. So uh, that let's we probably haven't got time to talk about that, but that is, that was a very interesting synth. I've owned a couple of those, and I'm, I'm again, I'm looking forward to that one as well. If somebody, I, if somebody, yeah. if somebody, if somebody at Behringer is listening to this, can you just take all of these circuit boards and just put them in one synth and make it so that they're just completely interactable <laughs> all between all different things, so that we have like kind of chuck the whole thing in a box and just all make a new and yeah, all of the things you've made recently, put them all in a box on one massive circuit board, and then make an amazing interface that musicians can and can kind of get into and play around with. I uh, think that's I'll what's... The, I'll have the 19-inch rack mount with no knobs on it because I... See, I think that's... I'm listening to Matt talking. Matt's talking about about performance and I'm coming very much from a music production. It's just going to sit there and make noise and I want, to, I want it to make a noise that I haven't heard before, whereas Matt's like, well, I can get from this squelchy bass to this R2-D2 sound just by doing this. So I think... Um, yeah. I want... But I want... All you the technologies preset. mixed together into a new thing, kind of thing. It's like what's going to happen when we put well, sausages Mark, may I, and may I, may milkshake may and I make a suggestion? In the blender, probably, you know. probably what you need to do is buy them all and figure out how to patch them together to do what you want. That's probably the. And that, I'm sure they would support the, that theory as well. <laughs> if it's the, I'm sure they'd love it. Yeah. If, but if well. If it's the same design team, though, that designers had to pick that apart and then recreate it for each of those models. So there must be like some common ground between those things where they could go, oh, hang on a minute, nobody's thought of this before. Let's just make this kind of amplitude modulated, uh, whatever. I don't know what it's going to be. They're going to they're going to think of it. They're going to go like, oh yeah, that's the same as that, and that could be that. Let's just hack that bit of circuit board off, and this is a whole new thing. Yeah, I Nobody's think yeah, I, I just don't think that's the game. What I want yeah, to buy. I'm sure you would. I'll throw my thousands of dollars at that. Very I'm, hard. I'm, okay. All right, let's uh, let's move on to uh, yeah. We've got a couple more videos. This was uh, something that's called Velvet Machine by Yuri Turov Music, which uh, I when I first saw this, well, I'll play it first. So this is. Uh, now what do they call it's 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 a real time convolution combined with velvet noise. My kind of thing. One very short notes, very long notes out. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> 
but I didn't realise at the time, and I should have really spotted this, this is actually for um, iOS only. I thought it was an AU as well, but it's AUV3, which is iOS only, but... I think this sounds quite interesting, myself. Anyway, it's uh, it's like five ninety nine. It's it's, it's hardly oh, it's close encounters. It, yeah, it almost it was. was. Dum, 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 dum. It was almost, which has got the twenty five hundred in common. Um, Yoad, uh, I mean, it's astonishing that this sort of thing can start happening iOS. That's one thing. I mean, uh, it sounds quite mm-hmm. interesting. I mean, you know, the the, pr- the price is crazy. Did, but I will ask you. So, I, I'm guessing you might know what velvet noise is because it was mentioned in the product, and I thought I've never heard of that, and I looked it up, and I'm just wondering if anybody else knows. I mean, not that I knew, I now know because I looked it up. Um, so. So basically, with with convolution, when you convolve um, noise, uh, when you use the noise as an impulse response, you can do a lot of you. You basically get a very flat and um, flat response and non-resonant reverb, and that's what we did in the H reverb, um, which we, we released a few years ago, and. Um, we found a way because the, the problem usually with um, convolution reverbs is that whenever you, you you manipulate the impulse response, you have a gap in the sound while the while it's processing a new um, impulse response. So you have to process the impulse response and then you have to stop the, the audio. Um, that's the problem with, with classic... Um, convolution reverbs uh, we found a way and apparently these guys have found a similar way too to make it seamless and to make it continuous and that's the whole velvet noise trick about that uh, yeah h reverb can can do all these things um and uh because you can we can then shape your envelopes your build-up time your you know gated thing is which is very difficult to do in algorithmic reverb and and again i can refer the viewers to go to our uh how to how how reverbs work how algorithmic oh yeah that's a video we shot yeah 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 absolutely Um, yeah and so yeah it's interesting it's 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 a nice concept it sounds um like i said very flat and kind of it's a bit characterless what we found with h reverb is that we had to introduce um uh, basically we had to introduce an engine that will recreate or or try to replicate the resonant uh, characteristics of algorithmic reverb because otherwise it sounds too clean which which this product does a little bit uh, but it's nice. It's interesting, and it's nice to see stuff like that on on iPads. Um, even though it's probably more complicated to get a live input through it, and I don't know what the latency is and and things uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Mark. I'm pretty sure I saw an email from you about uh, I'm thinking of going over to an iPad for my all my apps and stuff. So is it this? This looks like it might be something. That's up your, if you're assuming that's the sort of sound I like you're the after. noise of that. No, I really like it. I really like that sound. I think I'm with you. I think I'm expecting um, the Cocteau twins to come out of that. Elizabeth Fraser warbling over the top of that kind of thing would be my perfect music, I think. And an 808 maybe struggling in the background. (laughs) Um, Or is it the other way around? Is it an 808 warbling over a noise going and Elizabeth Fraser struggling with anxiety in the background? One way or the other, it's all sounded bloody brilliant to me. So. Oh, yeah, I, re- yeah. I like the noise it makes. I'm always, t- I'm always, whenever it's that kind of, it's the, I think visually I just go to like sonar in the fog and there's this light sweeping around and it's just like, oh yeah, okay. It's, it's all gone as- atmospheric for me. So yeah. Um, if the, uh, you know, if the, I've got nothing else to say on the matter. No, that's actually. all right. I'll, I go, like I'll go to Matt. Matt, I know this is right up your street. Um, but yeah. I guess it's uh, it's a bit complicated to use because it's a shame. It's uh, I, like I say when I first saw this, I thought, oh, brilliant! This looks good and it's so price so affordable. And it's like ah, only iOS, and I haven't got anything that would that's in this yeah, system man. that I would run, which is a real shame. Yeah, I must admit, I've I've given up on the whole iPad integration for music production. I I did use it quite yeah. a bit to begin with. Various synths that I bought, few effects processors that I bought. And then I tend to use the iPad now for um, 
things like Lima and setting up my own MIDI controllers and that kind of thing. If I need a particular touch interface that I want to customize to do something, um, I've kind of given up on, on, on buying programs now for processing audio through the iPad. I'm just, just interfacing it all and, and that kind of thing and it not feeling as tactile. This effect though does sound really good. I really like the sound of this. And yeah, I know sometimes when you buy the app, you also get the uh, AU as well with it. I couldn't see um, anything about that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I couldn't I couldn't see it. Well, I mean, at, at the top you've got, it says download at the app store and and then you've got audio units next to it, but I can't yeah, see what I know. audio I'm clicking, unit. I'm clicking on it. I'm really clicking on it. Oh, it's, it's an iPad AU audio. version three, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the So if if this was available, I'd definitely get it because it this has got a it's got um it's got a very sort of silky, luscious sound to to this. And this is sort of thing that I love to send stuff through just to create a low uh, like what Mark was saying, this sort of um atmospheric if you like sitting in the background under big fat juicy oscillators just creating this sort of rumbling texture and send things to it on an auxiliary like a uh, kick drum so um i send bass quite a lot to reverbs as well particularly stereo reverbs which is is not a, a real common thing to do um and then i'll drive these reverbs into distortions mm, yeah and that, i'll drive them into filters. Said, yeah i like that I, 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 all that kind yeah. of stuff. Love all that all day long. So yeah, this is right up my street, Nick. And I, I could imagine you doing one of your superb demos with a synth running. I, yeah, well, this. I, I have to. I don't think I've got anything that will run it because I just don't invest in iOS hardware and I don't well, have I a have, phone or anything. Uh, I have to 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 plug the the H River because it does all that and it's a plugin and it has distortion on the tail and it has filters that you can basically with filter envelopes and stuff like that so maybe you know that's uh, that's something to to try okay. sorry i usually that's, that's don't, all right don't plug is it stuff, but uh, but it's just da- it just does all that okay i think that's okay. perfectly acceptable yeah that's and you're right you don't often plug stuff from uh, from your own uh, good company so that that's not a problem so it was that waves h reverb uh, this this whole concept, I, I've got a note, a sentence here, which is, uh, it said, what did I actually say the sentence was? It was like, I wonder if we're headed back to an age of players. Now, now this is really interesting because, I, and I think anyway, because there's a period of time uh, where, you know, anybody can get a complex synth sound and ping a reverb and make it sound like, you know, I mean, I, I'm living proof of that. I don't actually need any particular musical talent. Maybe I just an ear of what sounds okay. And it feels like maybe, you know, this is, we're reaching this saturation of stuff into massive reverbs. And the antithesis of that is shorter sound, perhaps well played, you know, the the virtuosity thing. And when I was, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, you know, there were a lot more bands around that were about being able to play. You know, that was part of the thing. I suppose it was pre-prog, but it would have been, you know, like bands like Weather Report, bands like maybe Japan, where you had some virtuosic element to it, which has been gone by the way. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that doesn't happen anymore. Like Eddie Van Halen, you know, rest, rest in peace as he passed away recently. But people who had this real ability to just play incredibly well, not just fast, but with skill and musicality. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's not really, in mainstream music I'm talking about, there's been less of a place for that in, in popular music. I mean, there's still these undercurrents. We've still got, obviously, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Cole uh, and uh, uh, Snarky Puppy and all of the kind of that gang. But it's still sort of bubbling under. I wonder if there's, the, you know, in the same way that there was a punk uh, um, breakthrough sort of going against... The, the verbosity of music, whether we might get the antithesis going the other way where there'll be people who want kind more notes, <laughs> more notes. I mean, it's just the way that culture goes. I'm just curious if we're heading into that, that uh, azimuth, I suppose, if that's the word I'm looking for. I mean, I, I notice in the shop that nearly every young person who comes into the shop can play ukulele and they can play it really well. And most of them can sing really well and they sing really in tune because all of their peers are auto-tuned. So they've got to sing as well as the auto-tuned vocals they're hearing on the stuff they're hearing on the radio, which means that there's a lot of young people about with really, really, really good singing voices and some ukulele skills. So I think that that at a young age translates into more musical skill as they kind of develop that. Um, I mean, there's a friend of mine who's got a 
I think she's 12 or 13 year old daughter. I mean, her voice is amazing. She sings like perfectly in tune, picks up ukuleles and like playing this really complex stuff. So I think, I think it's, it's almost like they've heard the corrected digital world that we have, we as producers have created. They're emulating it, which means their level of musical ability just has to be that much higher in order to even be a contender. That's an interesting thought. We there's, we have discussed this before, haven't we, with uh, vocalists who emulate that kind of pitch stepping that you get in uh, yeah. in auto tune, yeah. and that's 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 astonishing when you hear it the first time. Matt, Matt, yeah. you were going to come in there. I think, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, there's people emulating auto tune vocals, and so we're heading in that way. I was thinking about this though, Nick, and about how we're you know, how the recent pandemic might influence the way we're listening to music and music trends, and. Um, you know, we are, a lot of us working at home, setting up our own offices at home, that kind of thing. And we might be on our own. So the tendency is to whack some music on while you're working. Some people struggle to work yeah. with music that's got vocals in it. Um, so I'm wondering actually if if a lot of consumer trends might go the other way and it actually would get more into ambient music and a lot more streaming of that. Um, little plug here is my... Is my uh, ambient hour that i do a podcast which is one hour of pure uninterrupted ambient music which is available on all your streaming sites and um that since since lockdown that's i seem to be getting a lot more listeners listening to that just ambient drones because it doesn't really interfere with you know picking up the phone talking on the phone writing your emails and even uh, i suppose having it on in the background while you're on a zoom call as well so um who knows? I, I kind of think it's going to go the opposite way to maybe what, what you're suggesting about. Even less notes. The notes. Yeah. <laughs> Even less, less notes. One note. Uh, one note, one oscillator. I, I, so, uh, oh, this is know, where the sound healing aspect comes in. Absolutely. That frequency yeah, will a, cure go, your gallbladder, sir. 286.9 so or whatever they come in, dial it in. So far, the uh, show title know. is Ukulele Skills. I'm quite liking that as a title. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you get like lots of demos. You know, you'll probably see it hearing, you know, people who've worked, crafted and worked on things or want to take things to the next level coming to you all the time. Are you seeing a trend in the way that people are singing or performing that is emulating perhaps some like like Matt, like Matt said emulating some of this or is um, it- in a way in a way but uh, but I think that a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff I work on which is you know pop pop rock and uh, kind of mainstream um, pop I would say um, some some under, underground stuff as well but uh, <sighs> Are there, are there more I, notes? Are you I getting more notes? <laughs> I, I can't say that I'm getting more notes. And I can't say that the notes I'm getting, I'm getting are more in tune because there's also a style which is not to be perfect and not to go to with this whole digital uh, trend and all that. But then they, they ask me to fix it later. So, um, you know, it's uh, because a lot of these things, when you when you work on a production... Uh, I'm, I'm talking about tracks that I get to, that I receive for mixing. Um, and it sounds really cool in the studio and yeah, let's leave it kind of raw and all that. But then when you mix it and when you want it to, to really come to life and to be punchy and to be present um, on, 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 streaming, on streaming services and radio and all that, then everything has to, to, to be really focused and then all the faults come to light and and then sometimes it doesn't it doesn't you know if yeah. it's all wishy-washy then 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 fine but if but if you want something that really stands out then it has to be perfect because this is the kind of standard that things are that other things are and you want it to to, to be yeah. just to be in power and to stand out from 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 the crowd as well. So uh, so Is a that, lot of times I have to to fix. So I'm going to ask you a loaded question. And augment stuff as well. Okay, Mark's got uh, a question. Can I ask you a load a loaded question? And that sure. is 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 that what makes a record sell? Because my loaded question is is oh, oh sorry I'm going to change that slightly. Is that what always wins the day? Putting everything in that kind um, of focus or is. Or are you generating lots of like high charting 
um, stuff by doing that, or is it, or does it? it it's always hard to say because it's the content, it's the music, and it's what generates emotions uh, or or kind of. That's, um, that's why. That's why I was trying yeah. to get you to go to emotion. Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. I, but for me, but the thing like when is, something that, really that, sparks, like a feeling in people, that seems to be more important yeah, but, than but whether the thing it's in tune or up time. Hold on. Yeah, go, go, Yad. Sorry. Um, uh, the thing is that you have to 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 take into account the medium on which those uh, songs are going to be consumed. So uh, yeah. when when you when you listen to to a Spotify playlist and suddenly your track doesn't sound as good in terms of maybe not the emotion, but it, it, you know, it's not like if if you like if you watch a, a film that that isn't uh, lit properly and the scene is not crisp and all that, then you would change a channel or you would you know what I mean. So you have there's a certain kind of um, standard that you have to comply yeah, okay. to in yeah. order to get your art being heard, because otherwise people will just skip it. That's uh, that's my my view. Mm. Yeah, then that's it's the okay, comparison, that, it's compa yeah. uh, and it comes back to the radio, isn't it? That's why we got this. Not the loud. Well, we did get the loudness wars because some somebody's track would be so loud and so in your face that then the next one didn't sound as good. So it wasn't a question of of, of it was just being damned by not being as, the same as the other exactly. thing. And so yeah, the, but one has to be careful with that to a degree as well, I think. But uh, some interesting points there. M maybe this is a good time to. Go I mean, I know we're, we we probably won't get to a lot of the other topics, but maybe this is another point because there was news. Uh, I, I just spotted this. This was just on a kind of like you know front page of. I think it was a YouTube story. I don't even know. This is uh, on the on the Vulture, and this was Netflix is thinking of ending things, and this is uh, the. Uh, uh, the album, the the series Glow, that was supposed to be uh, going for a third series, and Netflix because it's got such a large cast and logistically there are a number of people involved. They're just series three because of the world situation. They're just kind of going, you know what? It's not viable because it's going to cost so much money to protect all of these people, and having this many people involved in this art is really difficult. And it was, I I, I don't know the series. I don't know if anybody will will be you know all that disappointed or not i mean i'm sure there will be but it made me think okay so if we turn this around a little bit is that going to start affecting the way that other creative forces so are we going to stop seeing choirs are we going to stop seeing orchestral recordings are we going to are things going to have to be decided on logistical uh, possibilities here and I, i'm guessing to a degree and if that's the case there must be positive yeah. because technology will step in and kind of go, well, actually, that means we could do it like this or like that. And I just wondered, you know, it's, it's a bit of a nebulous title, uh, uh, topic, but I just thought it was a, maybe an interesting area to explore. Mark, you sound like you might have a... I uh, The reason I'm saying yeah is because uh, I went to a workshop on Monday because I live in Glastonbury and that happens a lot in Glastonbury. So I went to this workshop. I came home and I said to, uh, to my wife, was like, how was it? And I said, oh, yeah, it was really cool. She went, how many people were there? And I went, a certain number of people. And she went you know that's illegal, don't you? And I went, is it? And she went, yeah, they've changed the law again. So I actually looked up the law on the government website and there's a whole pages and pages and pages of law relating specifically to performing arts. And it's really clear on that, that you have to have people in groups of six. So when you've got people in groups of six, if you've got a huge choir, which has got 100 people in it, how on earth do you do that logistically? So it, uh, the only way to do it is to break the law at the moment and to break the law and then perform in front of people would be kind of crazy thing to do, I guess, because you'd probably fall foul of something or maybe not because certain people didn't, but um, that's a whole other thing. But um, I, it's going to, there's going to, somebody's going to have to create a solution to the whole thing. And it's like, in, it's not, I don't know. It's, yeah. I can't I, get I, my I'm head just, around how it's going to work. Cause it's so, this, if we all decided to play music together now, it's like, let's get our instruments out and play. There's such huge latencies going on that it just doesn't kind of work very well to do that in real time. I mean, there's platforms that are supposed to be able to do it, but they I, it's still in my experience. There's no real kind of connection between the musicians or human to human kind of that body. That's great. Connection. Sorry, there's a, there's a this great... Is somebody with, this is somebody with Asperger's saying, I've noticed that when I'm in a room with people, there's a different kind of connection to when I'm yeah. on a screen with people. Um, 
Liebes in Discord said choirs are now underground and rebel. And it's a really interesting thought that, that, that forms. <laughs> I love that. And it, um, this, this is, but what's interesting, I mean, I, I, outside, let's, we're not, I'm not interested in being political about this, but in terms of society, no, norms, no, there's, this, there's this sort of situation where art forms are outlawed by law. Not because they're uh, they're problematic in terms of their content. It's not like you know you're being you're you're kind of dissing the establishment. It's because they're they're dangerous, which is a really weird yeah. a weird weird uh, world. Ah, and well, and again, it it shows how the Beatles are still relevant, and like they could have been working now, especially in the latter part of, in the latter part of their career. There, there were a like a recording band. They haven't, they didn't perform. They would be perfect uh, for for this time. Um, I again. suppose so. Well, but, yes, but not not in not in the Sergeant Pepper era because there were horn ensembles, there were uh, orchestral stuff, there were big extra. Uh, yeah, true, but they would, uh, you know. How would the Beatles sound with uh, using sample libraries? Who knows? Probably okay. Awful. I, Probably and maybe, awful. And maybe a big, like, big screen <laughs> orchestra uh, sample libraries is also a thing of the past because how would they record these sample libraries? So That's maybe what about we Phil Spector? cherish the ones yeah, we have good. because they are the last ones to... to That's to a come really interesting for, point. That's for a, the that, foreseeable that, that, future. That was one of the theories I was sort of expounding. You know, people like Spit. What about Phil Spector then? Well, he do you remember do Phil Spector? Used to, no, but he used to put those panels up in between everybody, so he'd record everything all at once, the whole band at the same time. So the separation was to do with making those big soundproof panels and with the perspex or, or the. You know, can you remember them in mm -hmm. Abbey Road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to have those huge, great big things the buffers, with the glass yeah. window at the top, and everybody would be sectioned off. So you could have those. Then he could spray some like tea tree and lavender at people, <laughs> or cloves or whatever, and then everybody's sitting or in maybe. their own little kind of neat little bubble, separated okay, from everyone I'm else. Okay, uh, Matt, come in on this. I think there's um, there's there's an easy solution to to getting artists playing live again, and that is to yeah. to take out the the first two rows of seats on any aeroplane because you can fill an aeroplane with as many people as you want. They can all sit next to each other. And Genius. you just put a band, an artist on on the on a plane. It's weird that you cannot sit in a theatre or um, and go watch a band sat in the same you know vicinity what? as if well, you were playing there, with people. There are less people that's involved. That, that's why. I mean, the theatre would be, you know, several things. Mark, can I just... Um, uh, yeah. So one thing that uh, Yoad said that was very interesting, Matt, was the idea that, uh, you know, some the, the orchestral and the sample libraries we have now might be it for a while because it's not possible to record any more of those things. That's a really interesting concept to wrap your head around. So yeah. it's almost like, so we might be in the situation where we're getting, you know, where we used to have because they were so expensive and so difficult to use. Now there's a proliferation of, of, of providers of these things. In fact, output just got 45 mil, uh, which may not have been the white, you know, the for orchestral stuff, it may not be work. But what's really interesting is, um, you know, the, we might see that this the, the the pinnacle of sample libraries as we have them now is kind of it for a while. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, it is. It really is. And who who knows how long this go this goes on for? What if this goes on for 10, 20 years and you've got generations of youngsters growing up listening to or experiencing live live shows in a very different way? Um, it's kind of like, you know, we've grown up with and without the internet. We're, we're part of that generation, so those generations. And, and you've got some people growing up and all they've had is the internet. And it's a very different yeah. experience for them. So imagine mm. if they're just growing up, going to shows where there is a reduced kind of um, entertainment value to it, if you like. And, uh, and, and they've never experienced sort of dancing freely. In, well, in a, okay. So here, here, here's another thought. So what we end up with is uh, is things that have to happen outside, which is fine in the wind in, in the summer and you know the places with a climate. So do you think in in a way when we were talking in some ways we were talking that there's been this kind of worldview that what's going to happen are there there as the as, as certain parts of the planet heat up, you know people will be moving uh, away from those to the more temperate climates. But actually, there could be this kind of art. Uh, um, People, people are, are moving because they can. When they, if they went to, I don't know, 
somewhere in the in, in the Mediterranean where it was warm all the time, they could get to go to gigs all the time. So you have these kind of art migrants, which is an interesting idea as a sort of concept. Um, and also the one thing I would like to add is um, a self-sanitizing mic. You know, for all the festivals, when people yeah. use the same mic, so imagine a self-sanitizing mm. mic. So once a performance has has ended, then it kind of sanitizes itself. Ah, to be ready that's an for interesting thought. You could have it. You could have it. It's almost like one of those uh, bug zappers you get in in uh, in uh, um, fresh food shops, which is that that, that blue, where it just basically electrifies itself to a very high current, kills all the UBC, bacteria. Uh, <laughs> what could go UBC, wrong, Mark? Isn't it? I think. <laughs> Well, I don't know. It can make a really cool sound. Maybe that's the sound I've been looking ah! for all this time. Um, going back to what what Matt said, I just want to throw in that, that we're talking about in Glastonbury, they have a Christmas dinner for everybody, a community Christmas dinner. And I came up with the idea that we should do it on a series of buses. So I think buses and aeroplanes could be, this is the new performance venue. We should Somebody with a bus company, all those touring bus companies, who are no longer doing anything because they can't, as Matt rightly says, take the front rows of seats out. You could have a convoy of buses running. Oh, no, no, that wouldn't work, though, would you? You'd have to have the bass player on one bus. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. A bit like, a bit like oh, yeah. yes after they all fell out, wouldn't it? Well, what about, okay, <laughs> what about if you took, you take all the seats out of one of the buses and that has the band in and then the other bus runs along yeah. either side of them. So there's, there's t the audience are on buses <laughs> that just kind of go up and down. Beside well, the bus with the Oh, yeah, that on. could be like the bleachers going out like that. <laughs> what a, well, it'd be a bit dangerous with planes, and, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that would work. I'll tell you, the, <laughs> the, the one venue I've, I've, been, I've been going to and I've been supporting over this lockdown is the Brighton Open Air Theatre, uh, otherwise known as Boat. And um, All right. it's brilliant because they've been able to put bands on there. It's around the corner from me as well. I think it's a charity. Um I've seen loads of bands there over all over the summer. Comedians, um, all going on there. It's been it's been really busy. So I guess maybe maybe the thing is take the roof but off everything. Is, how are the audience? Yeah, it's a good idea. Another good idea. But how are the audience dealing with it? Are they like all kind of clustering together in non bubbles? They're just or they're just distance like apart. So there's there's gaps between their bubbles hmm. there. Yeah, house bubbles cool. or whoever yeah. you've come with okay i i feel like perhaps i've uh, dwelled on this a little lot i just find it fascinating the cultural changes i mean outside of you know what what the rights are wrongs whether you believe it's a real thing or not i'm not interested in that there will be cultural change yeah, as a result will. of behaviors so you know that's going to be that's the interesting thing and i think there will we'll see a massive advances in technology that will help us be able to deal with this kind of stuff in the past in the future um and uh, regarding the the bus performance, then the SSL master <laughs> bus compressor could have a whole new meaning. Absolutely, it could. Wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> very good. It's very good. Excellently pumped. Very good, you had. Um, I wonder whether or not we could get anything else in. It feels like five o'clock. Uh, does anyone feel strongly about either the Iray or the Skaka? Which would people prefer in terms of those two topics? If we were going to cover both of them. I've totally forgotten what both of those Well, one's, were, one's like a massive roly um, uh, block, and the other one is like... Yeah, that looked interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, that, but that but, but the, the skak is quite interesting in itself because I never thought anybody would come up with a, a percussion, a shaker percussion VST. So I was quite... All right, <laughs> we'll go... Cool. That, uh, yeah, go with that, yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm, it's a new Club Grand plug-in, uh, skaka, shaker percussion. Uh, it's a really interesting idea. It's 12 slots. Each has a kind of performance loop in it which can also be adjusted in terms of timing and accenting and swing and uh, they all just sort of play as loops 25 bucks very affordable you can load certain things into extensive editing here we go so you can move things around so adjust the, the timing and the accenting and it's not Time stretching apparently. I'm not quite sure how it works. Um, I have a suspicion. But it's a great, a great idea, and it's like 25 because get the shaker loop. The tam I always used to use the same tambourine loop whenever I was. I, it was just a two-beat loop that could handle being stretched, and it would just be. And you know, within the yeah. set, and it would just occupy the right frequency. But I never had anything else, and it's quite hard to record percussion. Yeah, and I'll come to you first because I know you've got a little room full of all of this kind of stuff, so you probably record most of yours anyway. 
Yeah, and also I create sample libraries. And um, so one of the things you can do in order to avoid time stretching is you can play the loops very, very slow. So if you, if you assume that the lowest BPM uh, you're going to allow is 60 BPM, so you need a really good player to play everything at 60 BPM, then you slice it. And then from there on, you can do whatever you want. So that's quite—that's actually quite a, a simple thing to to achieve with uh, with any sampler. You just uh, or um, REX uh, kind of player. So you basically slice the the loop, and and each one will have a long enough decay. So when you speed up the tempo, you can do whatever you want. Swing and uh and accents and and all that so uh, and it's just about enveloping the it's yeah. not very difficult to to achieve it's it's uh, a cool concept though okay i've got you i've got you uh, i know um matt do you struggle with percussion <laughs> struggle with percussion <laughs> <laughs> um no but what I, I tell you what i do struggle with is the is the really cool rhythms that this has got going on and what I would love to use this program for, and I've, I've had a look, I don't think it can do it, but I'd love to get MIDI out of each one of the, there's 12 different cells, I think. Oh, okay. And I'd love to be able five. to get the MIDI out and send it to to the modular or back into the computer because I guess you've got these kind of Euclidean rhythms going on and um, and all the demos that I've heard of this, it all sounds really interesting. I'm like, oh, I just want to nick that kind of rhythm. It's really nice. I right. love I love listening to Eastern music and I love it, injecting Eastern music rhythms into electronic, contemporary electronic music. I think that's when, you, you know, you can get some really interesting techno going on. Um, and in some cases, you know, if you do listen to some, some of that sort of techno, you've got you've got these kind of Eastern, Eastern injection of, of, of different rhythms coming on into, into it in that way. So I'd definitely like to use that, but um, I don't really have a need for shakers or such in what I'm doing a lot of. Not so much. No, fair enough. Not, Mark, yeah. I, I'm guessing, Mark, you probably record. I mean, you look, I can see you've got a lot of weird and, and wonderful instruments behind you. I've got you, lots so. of weird things. I don't, I, no, I cheat all the time. <laughs> I'm really, really bad for cheating. It's just like, oh, that sound will do right. Just chuck that in. But I'm kind of always, I'm always exploring ideas. So I'm not necessarily ever really getting it to the point where I've finished something absolutely like that's the definitive mix of that. And that's always going to be like that. So I kind of, oh, I don't know. I, but I, do, I was, I'm going back to my workshop on Monday. I'm reminded that I was listening to a piece of what sounded like African music. And it clearly wasn't. Somebody had pieced it together in samplers and stuff, and it just felt completely wrong. We were kind of dancing around doing this little kind of shamanistic kind of Glastonbury thing, and it was just like, oh, God, this just doesn't feel, didn't feel kind of, you know, like Fila Kuti or King Sunny a Day when you've got lots of people in the space playing. The time difference between me and, or not me, I wasn't there, between Mr. Bongo player number one and Mr. Shaker player over there, the time differences between things means that there's all sorts of discrepancies. And when people put stuff together in computers and just grid it, it just sounds weird. And this sounds like it's doing something that a percussion set of percussion people I was once told the, the, the analogy is like an egg rolling down a hill. That's the sort of feel you're looking for. Uh, obviously, yeah. end, o end over end, presumably. Anyone depending on how much of the uh, mango uh, alcohol based thing or the uh, the mushroom or the uh, the special herbal tea the <laughs> particular people have had you know and what the witch doctor might, might be doing at the time but there is definitely like human beings have a looseness to them which computers have yet to actually replicate in a really and it's it's a feel thing and it and it does create emotional responses in human beings where things are placed uh, maybe cultural, maybe programmed into us, but it's important. And I think, I don't know, I, I like that. It sounded good. Yeah, it me. does sound it good. Sounded so that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the clev ground. Um, I should also point out, uh, we did trail this last week uh, and it was announced. We were speculating about the uh, what was the Novation and Aphex Twin up to. And this is what it was. Mm. It's Novation AFX Station, which is basically the base yeah. station with the AFX um, station um, 
firmware in it and a different color. I, as far as I understand, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's a kind of, you know, in the same way that the, that Novation did the Maroda uh, Mini Nova. Um, you know, this is this is a similar sort of thing. I don't know how I feel. I was I what I must admit I was hoping for a little bit more. I don't know about you. I was hoping for something perhaps that wasn't already well, in in existence, but uh, can't have everything. Yeah, I talked about this would been a really cool uh, if it was a, effects an actual unit, yeah. effects unit and call it the AFX unit or something. But um, what I think is really cool about this is, it, uh, if anything, it gives you some insight into... Oh, we've lost oh. him. Oh, he's just frozen. Maybe his computer one. <laughs> Yo, Ad. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just say that it look, I'm looking at the, at the Minilog XD and it looks just like that. The switches are the sa- look the same. It just looks like a Minilog XD. I, I thought when, when you played it in the background, I thought it was that. It looks Oh, yeah, the nerd like switches. It. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, and it's black and the uh, the knobs and everything. I mean, the base station, um, the base station two is a good synth, but you know the base station two, and I really like it. It's a good synth. It is it's definitely one of a good synth. Beefiest ones. Yeah, it's a good one. But uh, yeah, I suppose we were just yeah. hoping for a bit more. Sorry, Matt, you just kind of froze. I don't know what happened. I think <laughs> I think maybe someone tried to get a new Wi-Fi and download a large file. It was probably Richard D. James sort of um, sort of manipulating my uh, bandwidth or something. Um, what I was going to say, this gives you an insight into the way and thought processes behind Richard D. James. Um, you know, using things like an arpeggiator, for example, for uh, sequencing drums and drum hits and stuff. And that's how you can get that kind of glitchy you know the rolls and stuff going on and interacting with different arpeggiations on top of each other assigning them to different keys it's really really interesting actually completely different approach to just using a a synthesizer by essentially turning it into kind of some kind of sample uh synth engine station and using the arpeggiation in different ways and you've got the the duophonic layering going on you can get some really, really interesting results. It took me a while actually to get my head around it because it was such a different workflow to just, um, you know, the traditional way of programming stuff. And and I'm really actually quite interested about trying out some of the ideas. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not, I might not buy this, but what I might do is actually take some of the ideas mm. and processes that this uses. And I'm sure I can build it inside of the computer, particularly in in the grid in Bitwig, for example, and try out different arpeggiation patterns, apply them to drums, layer them and triggering stuff at different rates. I suppose, I'll tell you, I mean, what I back in the day, what I used to do is chart when we use sample cell cards, because that was the only real sampler stuff I had the ability to use. Uh, I would just cut up breaks run arpeggios and then map the mod wheel to the volume or the velocity so you'd end up you just yeah. play and it would play random you know you play it maybe it. a double time arpeggiator and you would use that as a sort of fill thing that would come in and out you know and that was 30 years ago you know i mean arpeggiators are very useful for that kind of stuff and it is i guess it used to have mark yeah, I just, I, uh, sorry it's just something that i guess people haven't haven't really thought about using so much and, yeah, and maybe um, it's refreshing to see this coming back on uh, Mark, I guess I don't know if you've got a base station two or considered one. I mean, it's it, it's just a it's a branding thing, and I, I think it's cool. But it just sort of feel, like I say, I was a bit disappointed. I like the that base station. I thought I thought the yeah. base station was a good synthesizer. Have I got one? No, I've got what have I got? A deep bass nine actually, which is similar but simpler. Have they taken two things and put it in one thing? No, it's just a base station yeah. two oh. and uh, it, with a with a with a new firmware with a knob on extra knob on it. I don't know if you know what I love about Novation? I bought a second-hand Novation keyboard and X... No, not what... X Station? No, it was something else. An Audio 25, I think it was, keyboard off eBay. Had a broken fader on them, so I contacted uh, Novation or Focusrite and said, I bought this second-hand. It's got a broken knob and fader on it. Can I buy one off you? And they went, no, don't worry about that. We'll just send you one. So they sent me the replacement heart for free. Nice. And and it wasn't even the person that bought it in the first place. They've got such good customer service. Um, And my Audio 25, whatever it was, keyboard, uh, had a software upgrade that turns it into an X synth or an X something or another. I really like that synth as well. Yeah, it was supposed to be very good. It's like a digital SH-101 in a way. It's got a very simple architecture, but it's kind of cool. Well, I don't know. I I like that company. No, well, fair enough. But anyway, that, I, I wanted to get that synthy thing in in there as well. But uh, that's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Uh, 
Mark, it's lovely to see you. I hope things are going f okay for you down there in uh, in Somerset and uh, Glastonbury, and um, that your clientele won't be turned away by the fact you just randomly oh, I've got shut someone the doors. banging on. I've got someone banging on the door, and I stuck my head out to shout at them, but they don't. And then they weren't there, and then they're back banging again. So um, it'll all be really exciting. I'll go downstairs. They'll walk mud all over the floor, and then I'll have to pay the cleaner to clean it all up again. So. <laughs> Damn. Well, lovely to see you. Uh, Sonus Magus uh, is... Yeah, thank you, you very much for having me Mark's at such short to... notice. You're welcome. Um, okay, and uh, also, Mr. Yoad Nevo, uh, do check out his uh, How It Works FM that we published yesterday. Um, nice to have you as well, Yoad. Um, I guess you're back, back nose to the grindstone, producing, mixing, wavesing. Wavesing. Ah, wavesing, wavesing, yeah, okay. Yeah, good to be here, as always. Well, lovely to have you. Thanks for joining us. And, of course, uh, Mr. Matt Hodson, uh, a.k.a. Maths, two Ts. Got any streams tonight? Uh, not tonight. Tonight I am I'm fighting in my – I do MMA fighting stuff, so getting back into that. Um, but then I'll probably come home and do some techno. Techno. <laughs> Excellent. Well, lovely to have you all. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks to our friends in the YouTube chat room, the uh, IRC, and also uh, Facebook Live and all the other things. And don't forget, uh, if you want to view or listen to the podcast, we're actually are available on Alexa, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes, pretty much everywhere you, you can kind of download any of that stuff. Anyway, thanks for watching. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time as we wave off into the distance. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.